This is MJ. I love Tokusatsu, and right now I want to talk about Shotari Ishinomori. Actually, I want to talk about Bishoujo Kamen Poitrine. But the reason I'm talking about Bishoujo Kamen Poitrine is because I really want to talk about Shotari Ishinomori and the effects of his works. And uh, I was going to do that in a different way that I'll tell you about at the end. Uh, but for now, just settle on the fact that we're talking about Bishoujo Pro, uh, Kamen Poitrine. Ugh, there we go. So... Uh, I'm going to throw out some facts real quick, and then I'll talk about episode one, which is the only episode subbed uh, so far that I know of. It was subbed by Mega Beast Empire. So, Bisojo Kamen Poatrine is from the uh, Toei Fushiji comedy series. It was created by Shotaro Ishinomori. The screenplay, according to the wiki, uh, was done by Yoshio Urasawa. Uh, there were... A couple producers, Jun Hikasa, Masayuki Nishimura, and Shigenori Takatera, which is an important name in Tokusatsu. Uh, this show had a run of 52 episodes. It aired first episode uh, January 7th, and the last episode was like a, I don't know if it was a New Year's episode, um, or if it was just at the end of the year, but I think there was definitely something about New Year's or Christmas, and this episode uh, kind of starts because uh, Yuko goes to the shrine that she forgot to go to uh for new year's on january 7th so you know that's pretty cool anyway i have a little synopsis of the episode i'm going to read here it's the episode and the series as a whole actually yuko murakami is an ordinary high school student who goes to a shinto shrine to pray one day she knocks down the bell in front of the shrine when she rings it and awakens kamisama who bestows upon yuko the power to become a fighter for justice a superhero known as uh bisojo kamen poitrine she transforms with her Orgel Pendant, which apparently later becomes a mirror. Uh, she fights all kinds of villains who want to make life hard for children with the help of her magic bell saber. You know, as in beautiful saber, not like a ringing a bell. Although she does start things off by ringing a bell, which is a homophone for the French word for beauty, bell. Kind of interesting. And uh, let's see, sorry, I thought I was going to cough there and I didn't want to do that all into the the camera. So uh, I watched the episode. Um, I took some images of it and I'm going to talk over those. So I'm going to go ahead and switch over to those right now. So this is a comedy series, but it's less that it's full of jokes and it's more, well, I think it's more that it's lighthearted. And some of that lightheartedness is like in the OP, there's this mural or billboard with a image of Poitrine on it in a castle. And um, it actually like it's meta. It says starring Yuko Murakami. So, you know, like it talks about her. And I found that to be kind of interesting. Another uh, thing about the comedic element. And I guess let me just put it this way. I'm a bad measurer of uh, humor or comedy. And I'm not really a fan of like meta humor. It works. It's growing on me. Uh, maybe as I get older, I turn more absurdist and therefore meta humor is more effective on me. But anyway, um, like I said, it's more lighthearted. But I kind of still take this show as very earnest, at least for this first episode. And it's interesting the dangers that Poitrine faces, at least in this first episode. There's this video game thief, this phantom thief, who goes around, and what he does is it turns out... Uh, well, I'm, not, I'm actually not going to spoil it for you. Um, but he, like, sneaks into kids' houses, and he hits them with this crazy taser that looks like it could be homemade. It also looks like it could come from a video game. Um, and he zaps them... Uh, like I said, tases them, knocks them out, or inflicts great pain on them, and then while they're, you know, stunned from that, he goes ahead and he steals their video games, and it's kind of weird, uh, but I like it. Like, that conceit is funny, 
and then the way she comes up against him and like how hard she goes on him uh, is a little bit funny. But I thought it was cool. I thought like, oh, this is like a like a kid level threat. Like, oh, what's more terrible than anything? Some guy, some goon in a mask with a you know a cattle prod basically like comes along. He saps you and he steals your video games that you you know you've been waiting for. Uh, and I just I thought that was a pretty neat idea. Um, something else that I really liked is that she, in order to stop him from chasing after a kid, she throws a feather. She's got a feather in her hat or like the brooch thing on the side of her hat. Anyway, she's able to pull that out and throw it. And then when it pans back to her, it's still in her hat, but it's also still in his gun. So it's, you know, one of those weird things, I guess it's magical, right? So it works. Uh, but I just love that gag. Uh, it very much reminded me of tuxedo mask, which I'll come back and talk about later. Um, but, uh, I just thought that was really funny um, that she did that. Uh, that kind of thing excites me. I love when uh, Kurama does it. Um, you know, Tuxedo Mask doing it was cool, too, and it was great to see her, too. Uh, I really like her suit, which I'll talk more about later, but it's just it's a really neat costume. Uh, it has so much uh, flair and style. Uh, the fact that it's majority white with, like, a tiny amount of gold trim is cool. I like the red under part of the cape, the red mask. It's funny. She's got, you know, these... I want to say they're a shade of green, like an emerald green, maybe the gloves and her belt. Uh, but then she's got, you know, all the like ruby kind of ruby red highlights. Uh, they're very cool. Her beret, I guess it's black. Hmm. I hadn't really thought about it that close. It's, it's, it just, you know, it's, uh, it's very effective in motion, but I didn't really think to break it down as I was looking at it, but I was really impressed with the way her suit looked. Uh, the way she fought, the effects that they used, how they made her seem magical. All that stuff was very good, very effective. Uh, the Fushugi, whatever it's called, Comedy Hour is, or comedy shows, they were Chokusatsu-based humor shows. Um, I guess Robochan, uh, or Robocon, is that what it is? Robocon is like, you know, a comedy Tokusatsu that uh, Ishinomori made, and then he came up with the idea for Poitrine. And I just listened to this, uh, biography of St of Stanley and all the arguments about him uh, taking credit for being sole creator of stuff. I'm a little cautious about that now. So definitely Ishimori co-created this lady, um, Poitrine. And uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Uh, I think I said that the fight was interesting and cool. Uh, I liked it. It was really awesome. She went, you know, pretty hardcore. She dropped a bunch of pipes on this, uh, you know, video game Phantom Thief who, as far as I know, was just a normal guy who was, uh, you know, dastardly. And, uh, you know, you can seriously hurt somebody like that. That's uh, not good. But anyway, it's funny. The, the stakes are low, but like the gravity given to everything is really high. And that's a lot of fun. I mean, that's kind of like tokusatsu in general. It's just uh, kind of dialed up to the nth degree here. And I appreciated that. Oh, and I love it. The boy she saves, uh, who I, whose identity I won't reveal just yet. Uh, he asks for her signature. He opens up his shirt his jacket. And I guess he's got a, a white sweater on. I thought it was a t-shirt, but apparently it's a sweater. And she pulls out her magical sword, her bell saber, her beautiful saber. And she, uh, m puts a mark on him and it's a cursive P. And at first it's a laser that they, you know, they have laser, you know, they, I don't know how they did the effect. They probably just drew it on, painted it on like rotoscoping kind of thing. Anyway. And then, uh, he ends up showing it to his friends later and he's wearing this P for Poitrine, uh, shirt, which is hilarious. Uh, it's just, it's really cool. Reminded me of Zoro. You know, she's like a magical swashbuckling adventurer person. And it's really funny because she's given her powers by God, uh, by Kami-sama. He's either a God or the God. I'm not sure. Uh, it's a Shinto 
um, you know, temple that she's at, and based on what my limited knowledge of uh, Japanese culture and Shintoism, he could very well just be like a god. Um, but it's really funny because he's like, oh yeah, I control, you know, peace and order and justice and things like that. And like, oh, I'm feeling tired. I want to go to the hot springs, so I'm going to go to the great hot springs in Italy. I'll be back. He magics himself a car. He magics himself a new, uh, you know, fancy set of duds. And he, I think it's like a Ferrari or Lamborghini. I don't know. I'm not a car guy, guys. I'm a nerd. I'm not a car guy. Anyway. Um, so he drives off to Italy, ostensibly, you know, from Japan, which is an island, to, uh, yeah, he goes from Japan to Italy in a car. Don't know how, I mean, I guess, you know, God can do that, um, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Uh, so, like, yeah, there are these cool little comedic elements in it, but overall, it I, to me, uh, just because they take everything so seriously, it feels like a very earnest treatment of a tokusatsu, you know, hero or heroine or whatever, and she gets to be this awesome lady hero, and uh, what's really interesting to me is that uh, Kami-sama says something about, like, when darkness filled the land, uh, there was this great goddess who came along, Patrine, I think he just called her Patrine, or, like, the, you know, goddess Patrine or something, and it's interesting because she's, you know, the beautiful masked Patrine, um, as opposed to, like, the original Patrine, but they show an image of this warrior lady in armor, which uh, you should be seeing now. She's got, uh, like big fireball or whatever in her right hand and her left hand she's holding a sword not by the handle but like by the base of the blade which is interesting and she has a skirt and a cape and armor with pointy shoulders uh, like really really pointy shoulders and like almost huge antennae like points or almost like samurai like uh, on the front of the caputo like the uh you know big like things that look like antennae coming off her forehead and uh i think poitrine's uh, you know pretty mass uh, or beautiful mask Poitrine's outfit um, is supposed to be like a modern magical girl version of this lady's armor. And because I've been exposed to Kamen Rider for so long, I thought it'd be cool if Poitrine got a final form and, or, you know, powered up form and it looked closer to this lady, more armory uh, or something. But I, I do kind of think it pulls in the colors, so that's kind of neat. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, gosh, it was a real treat to watch. I really enjoyed it. It reminded me so much of Sailor Moon. In fact, it reminded me so much of Sailor Moon that I had to go and look up and I watched this um, Get in the Robot video. And in that video, they featured kind of a history of magical girls. And then I watched the second video on like kind of the history of magical girls. And they mentioned that, uh, or and, you know, I saw the date that this aired was throughout nine, 1990. So 1990 to the end of 1990. So you know, the dawn of 1991. And uh, Sailor Moon came out, the manga, in sometime in 91, I believe, which is pretty interesting. Um, Sailor Moon in the anime, at least that I saw, I think both in the, in Crystal and in the Viz, or the, you know, the original anime, uh, she tries to, like, sailor kick her brother, and, uh, you know, that's like a writer kick, right? Anyway, uh, the Get in the Robot, uh, host lady basically insinuated that Takeuchi really liked Tokusatsu, excuse me, and that she pulled a lot of things from that, and she also mentioned Cootie Honey, uh, the animation, or I guess it would just be Cutie Honey at the time, which is, I think, by Gona Guy, and that had, like, a very, it had a big, big focus on, uh, transformation sequence where the lady, like, becomes naked as she's tr transforming into her warrior form or whatever, which, um, uh, Poitrine does not do. Interestingly, though, Poitrine is the French word for bosom, breast, uh, not just chest. Uh, uh, you know what? In honor of Ishinomori, who I heard was a pretty weird guy, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and 
dive into some weird religious things. So I study the Hebrew texts, not with my eyes, more with my ears. I listen to classes and I have a, a growing familiarity with Hebrew. And one of the names for God, the God of the Hebrew Bible, is El Shaddai, which you would think just means most high. But actually, uh, Shaddaiim, I think is how you say it, it, is the plural of Shaddai, and that means breasts. So uh, supposedly Shaddai or Shaddaiim is like this fertility God or this aspect of God that has to do with um, mightiness and strength, but more so fertility. And uh, it's interesting to me that you've got this lady whose beautiful mask, you know, bosom or breasts, and she's this powerful protector and she is like called out by this Shinto God uh, as this amazing, um, amazing, you know, protector of right and peace and justice and that uh this you know feminine goddess came along or this you know goddess with these you know female powers came along and like tamed the darkness and and like raised up the world from a state of chaos to a state of order and i think that's really interesting because i think while i think that men and women are both important i uh think that women are very important they're like the uh, a bed well men and women are equally important in my opinion uh, because of my, you know, background and upbringing and whatnot. Um, and in my family, you know, even more so, um, like I love my wife and, you know, she's a wonderful mother to our children. And, you know, she's first and foremost, my wife. And I tell the kids that all the time, like, look, I really love your mom. And, you know, she's, anyway, I probably go a little, uh, overboard with that, but I emphasize, uh, my relationship with her. And that's my main relationship in my life is, uh, with my wife, at least on a personal, like a person to person level me and my wife, and then, you know, my kids come next, uh, and then maybe me third. Um, but anyway, uh, I just thought it was really interesting that there's that kind of connection between, like, this goddess, this, uh, power that, like, gives life and protects the innocent, uh, and, like, you know, yes, mothers have breasts to give to suck to their children, but also, like, you know, there's the concept of the mother bear and, uh, you know, the tiger mom and all these different, like, aspects of women who are not only, you know, domestic housewives who, you know, raise children or who, you know, get pregnant and, and have babies, but like, like they care for them, they nurture them, they enable them to grow. And to some degree, you know, there's a concept of self-sacrifice of the mother for the sake of the children. But also there's, you know, beyond that, there's like this, you know, warrior um, mode or, or archetype of woman uh, and mother who, you know, exhibits power and doesn't give up her life, but who has the strength and the might to act and to um, conquer and to ward off evil that would threaten those who she loves and cares for. And that's a, that is an archetype of womanhood that exists and it's um, not always held up. Uh, and of course, I'm not an expert in all cultures, but like there's uh, Devorah in the Bible, there's Judith in the Bible, there's, uh, gosh, I'm thinking of, I'm blanking on one other woman specifically who I wanted, Yael, there's Yael in the Bible, is it? It's Yehudit, Yael, um, Judith, or I mean, uh, Devorah, I can't remember the other one, but anyway, there's like, there's some women in the Bible who do some pretty great things, and, uh, like, they're warrior type things, even there's a, a king who's advancing with his army to this tower, and a woman from up top throws a rock and uh, casts it down on him and it kills him and or he's dying and he tells one of his men you got to stab me I don't want anybody to know that I was killed by a woman and you know that's a pathetic um you know misogynistic concept but like I think the Hebrew text retains the fact that that's a less than desirable uh trait that that man is exhibiting and anyway so you know I say all that to go back to the fact that Ishtamor was a bit of an eccentric 
guy and he was like a forward thinker. I would say he was a progressive person. He's definitely environmental in some of his uh, works like Kiter and uh, the Kamen Rider manga. Well, the Kiter manga, the Kamen Rider manga for sure. He's got um, some environmentalist uh, themes in them. And of course, I haven't seen enough of Poitrine to really judge, but it's interesting to me that he evokes this like uh, maternal, like mother bear type of uh, like powerful goddess who can like support life, sustain life by prevent, by protecting it from, you know, death and destruction from uh, evil forces. I think that's really cool. Um, and uh, the reason I'm talking about Poitrine right now is because I watched it. But the reason I watched it is because I was trying to watch the uh, story or the life of Ishinomori, story of Ishinomori, life of Ishinomori, I can't remember what it's called right now. But I was trying to watch that and I got an hour through it. I had you know, like 35 minutes probably to go. And then my recording stopped. My download totally froze on me and it made me really upset. And I was really enjoying this drama that, you know, told, uh, gave me a perspective on the life of Shotaro Ishinomori, whose works have meant so much to me. Um, and I was really upset and I thought about pushing this off and I had been planning this for, I don't know, maybe about a month to get, make, make sure I had that downloaded, uh, on my other, uh, platform, podcast, YouTube channel, whatever, swinging through comics. I went ahead and read the Skullman manga and I did a review of that, which is going to be up the same day as this review. Um, of Poitrine. It was supposed to be going up the same day as me talking about the story of Ishinomori, but it couldn't because of that, that error, that problem. But in the story of Ishinomori, they show certain things uh, about his life, about the struggles that he faced, about his older sister who encouraged him to work hard. And um, like she really gave him the strength. Like she was kind of like a Poitrine. And actually, as I, as I was thinking about this after I watched the episode of Poitrine, I thought, I wonder if he was able to, and not that like... Not that there's something deficient in men that they can't show female heroes because there have been female heroes throughout uh, literature and media and stuff for a really long time. Uh, but um, the way Poitrine was portrayed and the way female heroines have been portrayed in Sailor Moon, uh, I'm going to call out Alien, you know, for Ripley and different things like that. It's uh, it's really interesting because there is a spectrum. They can be shown to be, uh, they can be different, you know, variations of women. And the way his sister was portrayed, she played a very domestic role, but she had a powerful effect on his life and the life of the, uh, or the artist there at the, uh, was it Toa? Uh, I can't remember what it's called now. The Toa something, you know, studios where they all, or whatever, where the, all the manga artists live together or him in this particular set of, you know, five or pe so people who were featured in the movie. Um, but anyway, it's interesting to me that after seeing the bit of the episode I saw or the movie really I saw, because it showcased the hardships that he and the other mangaka went through, uh, I was feeling kind of down about this. And I've got a bunch of other stuff going on in my life, and I was just trying to do this one thing to you know, do something like extra and, and to do something cool um, because I'm trying to... I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I want what I do to matter too. And uh, I think I've... I've definitely been inspired by the fact that Ishimori was, you know, this, you know, king or god of manga or whatever that he you know has this world record that was awarded to him posthumously for drawing the most pages of uh manga of any you know mangaka uh that like man i want to be like that and um i just want to make so much stuff and it 
after I was having these struggles and after I watched Poitrine and everything, it all kind of came full circle and I thought like, oh, and then also I mentioned Stan Lee earlier, right? After uh, finishing his biography, I thought like, oh, these, these people, like they just face challenges and they, they kept going and going and going. And um, that's something my wife and I have been kind of accepting lately. Like, man, life is always going to be hard. Life is always going to be uh, full of struggles for us, but we can have small victories. We can have daily victories, monthly victories, weekly victories, yearly victories, whatever. We can have these, you know, gr um, instances of growth that we see happen. And, um, we can, you know, overcome these things, but there's always another danger to fight. And uh, the fact that um, Poitrine says, as long as there is love, I'll fight on. And like, even till my life burns out, which is basically what she says, uh, that was really impactful to me. And it's really inspiring. And it really, I don't know that that came from Ishinomori directly, but those words wouldn't have been spoken from that character. And I wouldn't have seen it if it hadn't been for Ishinomori. And if it hadn't been for Yoshie Ishimori, which I believe is the correct way to say his sister's name and what she contributed according to that movie. If that's not true, that's kind of sad. That's too bad, but it definitely makes for a great story um, that I and so many others across the world have been able to enjoy Power Rangers and Sailor Moon and Super Sentai and... Uh, all these amazing things because this one young woman in Japan, you know, a long, long time ago, you know, 60 years ago or so, inspired her little brother to keep going and to keep trying and to pursue his passions and then to not give up and to try hard and to do the things that made him happy. And, uh, yeah, this was all sparked as kind of a, a thing where I wanted to give acknowledgement to uh, Shitaro Ishinomori, but in the context, I guess, uh, it's also, you know, a thanks to Yoshue Ishimori as well. And gosh, I don't know what else to say. I'm kind of rambling on here. I had a lot more that I wanted to say, but I, I can't really remember it now. I'm sitting in a car sweating so that you guys can have the best audio possible, and it's not pleasant. So <laughs> I'm going to get out of here. Um, as this this should air on a, on Friday, the 24th, Ishimori's, Ishinomori's birthday is tw the 25th of January. He died the 28th of January. He died, he, um, when those dates roll along, it will be, a, it will have been 22 years since he died and 82 years since he was born. So he only lived 60 years and yet he was able to like create so much awesome stuff. And, um, you know, who knows what he did in his life, but the things that he did in his work, um, have been inspiring to people like me. And, you know, that's the legacy that lives on, uh, and that's really impressive what you can do if you, I guess, follow your dreams and try to do what makes you happy. And I guess that's what I wanted to say. Okay, with all that said, I'm going to wrap it up now. MJ Loves Toku can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and mjmunoz.com. Uh, mjmunoz.com mjmunoz slash mjlt. There you go. Check out mjmunoz.com for my other review series, another writer cast where I sample... Uh, all the Heisei Kamen Raiders from Kuga to Zio. Uh, King of Hearts, Queen of Sorrows, where I talk about Mobile Fighter G Gundam. Going Ultra, where I talk about various uh, Ultraman things. SSSS.Gridman, as well as the Netflix Ultraman, and uh, some other stuff. Uh, you can also check out Swing Through Comics, where I'm basically diving through, going through all of Marvel Comics in a semi-historical uh, order talking about early Captain America, early Fantastic Four, early Spider-Man, uh, as the X-Men, Hulk, Ant-Man, all those other characters roll in. I'm going to be covering those as well, I think, as long as I like them. If I'm not going to stick with something that I don't like just for the sake of being a completionist. So anyway, uh, I also have writing projects up there on mjmunoz.com. If you love what I do and want to support me, my coffee and Redbubble accounts have you covered. Relevant links below. If you had a good time, like this, share this, leave a comment. Um, Tell me if you minded my rambling uh, <laughs> about different stuff and, and how I tied it back into Tokusatsu and uh, Poitrine. And uh, tell me, is there like, oh, 
I want to know if someone subbed the rest of Poitrine. I looked and it didn't look like it earlier. I'd love to watch it. I have at least one daughter of the female persuasion, and I'd like for uh, them to be able to enjoy Poitrine, you know, all 52 episodes of it, because it seemed like it was a pretty cool show. Um, but, you know, they can't watch it if there's no subs, right? Anyway, uh, if you, <laughs> I already said that. So I'm going to close now, really. Subscribe and ring that bell um, to stay current on weekly Zero One reviews. And remember, you don't have to shout Henshin to be a hero.